Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you are a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. Good morning, everybody. We wanted to take a second this morning and we wanted to just stop and honor God's presence and talk a little bit about that. You know, a lot of us know what it feels like to be in the presence of God, but there are a lot of us in here that may have never felt that before. And so we wanna talk about that for a second and, and what that feels like, how to enter into God's presence, and why that's the place that we want to be in, really for the whole service when we're here together. I can say specifically for me, there are just times um, that I've gone through and seasons and ups and downs when I'll walk into this place and I just don't feel like it. I, I don't wanna worship, I don't wanna raise my hands and, and honor Jesus, as horrible as that sounds, but sometimes that is the place that we're in. But if you will just trust who he is and how he's at work in you, you'll be able to enter into his presence. And honestly, if you will come to him with praise, come to him worshiping him, come to him thanking him, you will enter into his presence so quickly. And what that feels like for me when I do get into his presence is it's safe and I have hope again and I can see clear again. And truthfully, some of the sweetest times where I've heard him speak to me has been right here in this worship center and just being engulfed by him and where his presence is so thick and so tangible, there's nothing else on this planet that you want in that moment and sometimes it's hard to quit worshiping because you just want to live right in that place with him forever. When we sit down at the beginning of each week, we're very strategic with how we plan our services for you guys. And there is a reason why we always start with worship and why we honor God in that for the first 25 minutes of our service. If we can enter into his presence and meet with him first, we're then prepared to receive what else he has for us and how he's gonna speak to us through his word and through the pastor that day. I mean, I can't imagine coming in with a hardened heart because of something that's happened or something that I've been through and be in a place where I'm able to receive. But if I can come in and I can meet with Jesus first for a solid 20, 25 minutes, he will shape your heart, he will, he will move your heart, he will fix your heart sometimes, and he will give you this posture toward him that is like nothing else, where we are in a place where we are just ready to dig in deeper with him, where we can receive whatever it is that he has for us. And every once in a while, there's a song. And I know there's a lot of songs like this for me, and maybe there's one to two specific ones for you, but sometimes, Entering into his presence doesn't look like being on your feet and lifting your hands and singing out. Sometimes you just sit and you listen to the message that he is giving to you through a song. That's a lot like what this next song we're gonna do is. So if you would, just sit, close your eyes, and really take in what we're about to sing about because God really has a special message for you here today and we wanna honor him in that as we move forward. i 
to me. 
Lift your voice, lift your voice, give him praise. We give you praise, we give you praise. And I search the world, but you couldn't feel me. Together, and every 
our purpose is to seek and find you, though you're not far away. So Father, we just claim that promise right now that you are not far from us, that in this moment right now, we invite you in to open our eyes to see the things you want us to see, to open our ears to hear the things that you want us to hear. And Father, for every single heart and soul in this room, for every single heart and soul listening to this, I pray you can lay down a promise on these hearts, God. What each heart needs most, a promise of your love, a promise of a hope, that everything will work out. You are promised that you will do not abandon us. You will not leave us alone. You do not turn your face away from us. You do not let go of us, but you hold us. Father, lay those promises on our heart, God, because it is an honor. It is an honor to sing praise to your name. And so for everyone here today, God, I pray that we can walk out of this room with a promise. Give another shout of praise to him. He's good. He's so good. For those of you that are in person with us, go ahead and tell somebody hello and that they look good. They look good today. For those of you online, thank you so much for tuning in with us. Type in the chat. Say, y'all look good today in the chat as well. It's so cool to see where all of you are tuning in from. So please let us know where that is. Our reach here at Fellowship is so cool to see how far out it goes, not just in our valley, but in our state, our country, and then all over the world as well. So thank you so much for tuning in with us online. You guys are awesome. Whether you are in person with us or online and you're just new to Fellowship, uh, just get your cell phones out and text the word Fellowship to 94000. That's a great way to get in touch with the staff, get an invitation to our guest reception here in person, um, or just get a little... Uh, link tree to maybe different serving opportunities, different groups, classes, things that are going on um, as well. If you're in person and you just want to know what your next step in your relationship with Jesus could look like here within the Fellowship Church ministry, uh, head on over to the East End Pergola. That's a great spot to be able to figure out what your next step is. We're going to continue the worship of our awesome God with the giving of tithes and offerings. There's a lot of different ways to give here. Church Center app, I think, is the best way because I can see all my gifts from uh, previous times as well as um, you can uh, just easily, easily add a gift in. You can also drop a check or um, some money in the offering boxes if you're here in person. There's a text to give. There's a lot of different ways. Come by and see us during the week, too. We'd love to be able to see you. You can drop a tithe in there as well. Um, for any of us that are just kind of struggling through finances uh, this time of year, I know that that can be um, a huge weight on us no matter where we're at. So I want to just be able to pray for anybody who's in that place as well as bless the offerings that are coming in today because we know that like there's a promise that God takes care of us. He does take care of us. And it's an honor to be able to love him back in the way of giving. So if, whether you're in a financial need of a breakthrough right now or not, uh, please pray with me. Jesus, thank you so much, God, for man, just this time that uh, we get to spend with you right now. And so, Father, I pray that you can just um, bless all these gifts that are coming in. But for the hearts and for the households that are just in need right now, Jesus, I pray you can just lay your presence around them. 
Father, that you can uh, provide them with a hope and with a peace. Um, and, and Jesus, that you can pour out uh, your, just your awesome resources, God. Thank you so much for uh, taking care of us. And, and Jesus, I pray that as we um, give to you, as we love you in that way, God, I pray that you can just provide all of us with just your generous heart. Jesus, that's the way you lived, was generously. And so, Father, I pray for generous hearts um, across our church family. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your heavenly name, amen. So there's a lot of different stuff going on, uh, and I wanna take a, a quick minute right now and tell you some about that, some of that stuff. And I don't have a very good memory, so I'm just gonna get out the Church Center app, and it'll remind me, because that's the best way uh, to see all the different stuff that's going on. We put a few more things on during this week. And so um, the first thing you'll see on there, if you, if you get on the events tab, is, of course, Valleywide Worships tonight. Man, I'm excited about that. That is gonna be awesome. Um, I, I, I just love being able to see a whole bunch of churches get together. So that's tonight. Um, there's no admission fee. There's no tickets required. Just come on. Come on in. Um, and the earlier you get there, obviously, the better. I think doors are gonna open right around 545. You can look at and see all the information there on the Church Center app as well as share it to people if you'd like. Um, we also have our online Bible study starting this week. We're jumping into the Gospel of Luke, and there's so many people signed up already. You can find more information again on the Church Center app for that. That's going to start on Wednesday at 630. Um, a new event that we got going on is we have a, we're doing the first ever Fellowship Cornhole Tournament. And that's, I was excited about that. I was like, Absolutely. Some good God-honoring competition, mind you. Not, you know, it's, it's going to be good, uh, but it's going to, $25 gets you entrance into the tournament as well as, like, some awesome barbecue. Um, so it's going to happen on April 3rd, right after service, uh, 1230 in 4640. That's going to be a lot of fun. We're looking for people to also help us out with that. So if that's something that interests you, um, you can find that on the Church Center app as well. There's limited spots in the tournament um, just because of time frame. Because if everyone played, it would take days. Um, <laughs> Then we also have, uh, I mean, have you guys been enjoying this, this series that Pastor Tim has been doing? It is eye-opening. It's pretty awesome. And there's been so many times I've talked to Tim uh, backstage and throughout the week, and he's like, man, there's so much more that we want to say, but we only can do so much on a Sunday. And so if you are interested in the curriculum, we made it available uh, to be able to purchase not only in the bookstore, but also online. So for those of you that are tuning in um, just remotely, there's a way to be able to do that. Again, on the Church Center app, um, you can do that. So you'll find more information out there as well. And uh, just as a reminder, Daylight Savings is next week. So if, if you're serving somewhere or something like that, or you really like your seats you're in, you know, just take, take note of that. Put a little reminder in uh, your, your phone for that. But guys, there's so much um, awesome stuff going on here, and God is moving. And so we are super excited that you are joining us here today, and enjoy the rest of today's service. Well, it's crazy when you read about prophecy in scripture and then you see it unfold on Fox News and major media outlets. And last week, I heard things and saw things that I hadn't seen before. And it's incredible to uh, be able to study that, but also the fact that God loved us so much that he told us about what was gonna happen in advance. And we're gonna be looking this morning at some different events, some four different things that are happening in our culture and how they relate over to end times. And, and, and some were even prophesied about thousands and thousands of years ago. 
Now, of course, what the most current issue is in the world is the Russia-Ukraine war. Okay, so that's happening. It's happening as we speak. How does that relate over to scripture? Well, a lot of people think, well, this must be the beginning of the Gog and Magog war that Ezekiel speaks about. And the Gog and Magog war is a war that will have a group of nations that will uh, team up together and they will march against Israel or they will fight Israel. And so with the Gog and Magog war and understanding it, I think the best thing to do is look at scripture first. The Bible says in Ezekiel 38, one through nine, this is another message that came to me from the Lord. Son of man, prophesy against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince who rules over the nations of Meshesh and Tubal. Give him this message from the sovereign Lord. Gog, I am your enemy. I will turn you around and put hooks into your jaws to lead you out to your destruction. I will mobilize your troops and cavalry and make you a vast and mighty horde. All fully armed, Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya will join you too with uh, all their weapons. Gomer and all its hordes will also join you along with the armies of Beth, Toh, Garmah from the distant north and many others. Get ready, be prepared, keep all the armies around you mobilized and take command of them. A long time from now, you will be called into action. In the distant future, you will swoop down on the land of Israel, which will be lying in peace after her recovery from war and after the return of her people from many lands. You and all your allies, a vast and awesome horde, will roll down on them like a storm and cover the land like a cloud." This prophecy about a war that hasn't happened yet, but is about to happen. This is, this is set up. It's, it's set up to happen right before our eyes. Now, who are the players? Who are these nations? Well, Gog is the leader of Magog, and Magog is Russia. Persia is Iran. Iranians are not Arabs. They're Persians. And this also includes areas of Iraq and Afghanistan. Now, I, I need you to give me some grace here. I don't have time to go in how exactly we know that from scripture, but you can study this and you can find that most scholars, almost all scholars believe that these names represent these countries. Ethiopia is in the Sudan, which is Northern Africa. Turkey is Beth To Garmah. Now, this, we, this week I was listening to the news and they were talking about, and what has come to light is that there is an alliance between Russia and China. In fact, China asked Russia, please do not invade the Ukraine until after the Olympics. Of course, China was hosting the Olympics. And then there's also an alliance with Iran. Now, all of these countries want to expand. They are all ran by dictators that want expansion, that want more power. Russia uh, wants to expand into the Ukraine and more. I mean, he won't stop there. Uh, China wants to expand and invade Taiwan. Uh, they've already had uh, uh, aircraft fighters that have been spotted in Taiwan airspace. And then Iran, of course, wants to expand and defeat Israel. So those things are happening and understand that not any of these countries by themselves could do any of these things. Russia, yes, is a powerful country, but with all the sanctions that are coming against them, without China, they could not invade Ukraine. You heard about the fact that China had uh, actually brokered a deal with Russia to get all of their grain or start purchasing all of their grain. And China has very uh, in interestingly set back and watched the development of Russia invading Ukraine. They want to see how the world is gonna respond to that Russian invasion. 
because they wanna see what that will look like if they invade Taiwan. And of course, Israel has always been a, a threat to the Persians, the Iranians. Uh, they've wanted to uh, come against them uh, for years. So understand and this is so incredible, when Ezekiel wrote this prophecy, he wrote it in 571 BC. When he wrote it, the nation of Islam did not exist. There was no such thing as being a Muslim. Islam did not become a religion until the seventh century AD. Ezekiel didn't realize that what he was describing was the modern day Islamic world that is a radicalized, that has become radicalized against Israel. Now, Israel is isolated in the Middle East. She's all by herself. From a geographical standpoint, she's very small and she is surrounded. And it's interesting that over 2,500 years ago, the Bible predicted this political climate it predicted all of these nations would exist. It predicted all of these nations would hate Israel and plot together to destroy God's people. Now, the Ukraine is not mentioned in this scripture, but if uh, the Russians are able to overtake them, it will give them more resources for their future expansion efforts. That's really what it's about. Of course, uh, Vladimir Putin will say it's because Ukraine are really Russians and that they need to be a part of the, the motherland. The truth is, is that he does not want them to become any more Western. Uh, he, he wants to uh, go and take them over because he wants their resources. It's very strategic. Um, this will also embolden Vladimir Putin to take more of what is not his in the future. I mean, if he's able to take Ukraine, why not take Poland? Why not take other countries? Why not take other uh, uh, areas that were once a part of the former Soviet Union? So he's very much like Adolf Hitler in that. So Adolf Hitler took one country, he got away with it, then he took another, and that's the way Vladimir Putin uh, looks at Eastern Europe in particular. Is Vladimir Putin Gog? Well, he has the temperament for it, doesn't he? Uh, <laughs> could be. He could be Gog over Magog uh, that will attack Israel in the future. Now, when will this war start? When is it gonna happen? There's debate on whether or not that will happen before the rapture or after the rapture. Uh, it, it could happen before the rapture, but most scholars believe that it will happen after the rapture, and they have many reasons for believing that. Uh, most scholars now believe that the next major prophetic event will be the rapture. It's not the Gog and Magog war, that that will happen after we are raptured. How is it going to happen? How is this war going to start? Well, there's a couple of theories that I really, really uh, think uh, that are the most believable. Uh, some theories that I think that probably could play out uh, pretty clearly. And here are those. Number one, we know that 53% of the United States claims to be Christian Protestants. 22% call themselves Catholics. The United States population is around 323 million people. That means that 242,250,000 consider themselves Christians. If only half of them are really saved, like Jesus prophesied in Matthew 25, which if you remember, we looked at week one a couple of weeks ago, then 121,125,000 people will vanish from this country at the rapture. Now, what do you think that will do to our economy, to our military? to our workforce, to our first responders. 
You think about 9-11 and you think about that attack and how many people died and, and what that did to our economy, what that did to our, our infrastructure. This is gonna be so much more impactful than that. Now, other countries with large percentage of Christians uh, will have a similar event. Obviously, Middle Eastern countries, Africa and Asia, where Christianity is sparser, will be less affected. The United States and Great Britain are world powers and Israel's biggest allies. When our countries are decimated by the rapture, Israel will be left exposed, and that's when her enemies will attack. The only reason these countries haven't done this already is because they don't want to go to war with the United States or her allies. There will then be a power vacuum and it will be a perfect time for the Antichrist to come in and use all of our resources, commandeer our resources, especially our military resources. So that's the first theory. It's gonna happen and it's gonna happen as a result of the rapture. The second theory is that if Iran gets nuclear capabilities, Israel will be forced to attack. Israel's already said, Iran, if you get nuclear capabilities, we're going to bomb you. We're gonna bomb your sites, your, your, uh, your missile sites, your, your, uh, your military institutions, because we know we're not safe with nuclear power uh, in your hands. Russia has said openly that if Israel bombs Iran, that they will go to war with Israel. God says about those that will attack Israel in Ezekiel that he's going to put a hook in their jaw and he will drag them down to the mountains of Israel. Ezekiel 38 goes on to say that when all of these nations attack Israel, Israel will not have to fire one shot. That's incredible. God is going to personally take care of those countries himself. This is God's answer to Islamic Jihad. It will take seven months, according to scripture, to bury the dead and seven years to clear the debris from the Gog and Magog war. He uses the example of a hook and a jaw because during biblical times, when a donkey wouldn't do what you wanted it to do, you would put a hook in its jaw and drag it around the way that you wanted it to go. God is saying here, let me tell you something, you bunch of asses that are going against my country. You think you're in control, but you're not. I will protect my people and I will destroy you all. Now we're so close to this that it could happen tonight. All the nations are present and accounted for. All of them are aligned. All of them hate Israel and it's happening right before our eyes. Last week is the first time that I'd actually heard mainstream media report that these countries that are aligning against Israel want a one world order. A one world order. That was on national news on Thursday. Couldn't believe it. So the Russia-Ukraine war, it is a alignment of what is going to happen for the Gog and Magog war. Here's another current event that's happening that falls into the end times days, and it's the rise of socialism. What do you think the view was of socialism after World War II in America? Right? after Joseph Stalin killed between 20 and 60 million of his own people under a socialistic regime. Understand that, that they don't even know how many, they can't even count how many he killed his own people. Very few Americans wanted to have anything to do with socialism 60 or 80 years ago. The amazing thing is that there is a rise in the belief that socialism is a good thing. 
History, once again, is being erased and the chronic failure of socialism isn't being taught. In 2020, 40% of Americans had a favorable view of socialism. 40% of millennials and 49% of Generation Z view socialism favorably. In 2019, 61% of Americans, 18 to 24, had a favorable view of socialism. Is that not crazy? A system that has never worked a system that has never produced anything but dictators and evil and, and, and death. That is something that is now being embraced. And I've always said this, and I've heard this before. If it doesn't make sense, it's spiritual. Like the demonic is working in this situation. Now, why is this happen, happening from a prophetic standpoint? Well, scripture alludes that the Antichrist will rule the world with a one world government in Revelations chapter 13. Socialism is tailor-made for a one-world leader and one-world government. Socialism believes that infrastructure, farms, factories, natural resources, medicines, and more should be under the control of the people. Society as a whole should own all things. One of the major problems with this is that every socialist society turns from giving control to the people to giving control to the government. The platform will give the Antichrist the authority to rule the world himself. And that is why there is a rise in socialism. That is what our enemy, the devil, wants. Here's another thing that the devil loves to do that we also see in scripture. Something that's become very popular today, and that's cancel culture. This is what we used to do with magazine subscriptions and health club memberships, right? Is cancel now it's what we do to people. To be canceled is a punishment for doing something, saying something, or thinking something that breaks a set of unwritten rules that change with culture and current events. So we bring a person that we want to get rid of or lessen their, their influence or, or, or the devil thinks that is a threat to him, and they bring him through kind of three phases. The first thing that they do is they publicly humiliate them. They expose the wrongdoing or alleged wrongdoing. You don't have to be guilty of anything in this country to be persecuted. I mean, you just have to have it thrown out there about you for people to believe it. And so this first phase of this treatment is public humiliation. And then they push that person to confess, right? That's the next thing. You gotta make a statement. You gotta, you gotta confess. You gotta, you gotta make things right. You gotta show people you're sorry. And whether the person has done anything to regret it is irrelevant. They want that so that they can move to that third phase, which is they just remove you. Whether the person apologizes or not, an attempt will be made to remove that person from relevance once and for all. Fired, mocked, threatened, delegitimized. The devil loves that this because this is a way that he can stomp out the truth and destroy someone's influence for the kingdom or destroy somebody's influence that might be doing something against what the enemy, the evil one, wants. And Jesus said that this was gonna happen. He says it in Matthew 24, verse 10. This is out of the KJV. It says, and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. 
If the enemy can make us lose our influence, it makes it harder for us to be an impact for the Lord. I mean, if we're gonna lead somebody, we have to influence them, but we can't influence them unless, of course, we've invested in them first. And so you see people that have invested their entire life into something. Maybe they've invested their entire life into a business that, that is for the good, or they, they've invested their entire life into helping others. And one bad thing is said about them. One allegation comes up and it ruins their reputation and it takes away that influence. And that's cancel culture. And that's what we see happening on a daily basis. What about the pandemic? Right, the pandemic. Well, Matthew 24, three through eight says, later Jesus said on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately and said, tell us when, with, when will all of this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Well, Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, or the KJV says pestilences, and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of birth pains and more to come. He goes on to say in verse 32, now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all of these things take place. Now, when you read this scripture at first, you think to yourself, well, uh, those, that generation, the disciples didn't get raptured. That wasn't the end for them. What Jesus is speaking about there is he's speaking about, he's speaking to the people of Israel and that generation that will follow when, G, when Israel becomes a nation again. And we know that Israel became a nation again in 1948. So we know that this is the generation in which the rapture is supposed to happen when the second coming of Christ is going to happen. A generation. What is considered a generation? Well, according to Moses, he writes a psalm in Psalm 90, and he says a generation is 70 to 80 years. 70 to 80 years. Now, I'm not gonna do the math for you, but if you take 1948 and you add 70 or 80 years, that is the season in which Jesus will return. Christ tells us that these are the things that we are going to see. He's, we're gonna see it happen and happen right before our very eyes, and that we will know by this that this is the season for him to return. He also talks of birth pains. Now I know for many of you ladies, you are moms and you know how awful birth pains are, right? But before the baby or the birth pains, the contractions, before the contractions are the Braxton Hicks. And so those Braxton, Braxton Hicks are kind of these false contractions and you think, am I going into labor? I'm not sure. But when the contractions hit, you know you're in labor, correct? And so this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying that these things that you're seeing, the wars and the rumors and wars, the, the pestilences, all of these things that are happening, the natural catastrophes, they are but birth pains. And what happens with contractions as you get closer to that baby being born? There's more of them. They get closer and closer together. And the birth pains get harder and harder. The contractions get harder and harder and more painful. And that's what Jesus said is going to happen in the last days. The coronavirus is just a part of those labor pains. 
The pandemic is not a part of any of the judgments in Revelations. Now, how do we know that? Well, number one, we're not in the tribulation. We know that the tribulation begins when the Antichrist makes a treaty with the country of Israel, which I believe that is going to happen as a result of the Gog and Magog war. I believe that the Antichrist will come in after the rapture. He's gonna be this great figure that's gonna bring about peace, that's gonna bring about healing. And within that time period, I believe that he is going to go, you know what, the whole world feels bad for Israel because all these countries came against them. They're still cleaning up the mess from it. So you know what, we're gonna sign a peace treaty with you and we're gonna allow you to rebuild your temple so you can worship again. So I, I believe that, that, that that's most likely what is going to happen. And we're not seeing that happen yet, but, it, but it's super, super close. The first pandemic in the tribulation, so understand when the, when the tribulation happens, all of these judgment seals are going to be open. There's trumpet seals and there's, uh, there's uh, bowls that are going to be open and they're, they're bowls of judgment or, or seals of judgment. The first seal judgment that happens in scripture during the tribulation that has a pandemic in it. We see happen in Revelations chapter 12, uh, six, chapter six, verses seven through eight. And that fourth seal judgment has a pandemic with beasts and famines. And according to scripture, it will kill a quarter of the world's population, roughly 1.75 billion people. The coronavirus has killed 5.9 million so you can see the difference there. You see the birth pains of the coronavirus, but then the tribulation happens and you see the contractions getting heavier and heavier with billions of people losing their lives. Now, a lot of times we get questions about what, what, what is the, the tribulation gonna look like? The order of which... Uh, things are going to take place, all the different plagues, all the different famines, all the different natural catastrophes. Well, what we've done is we've included a worksheet in your notes this morning. If you're watching online, you can download all of those uh, uh, seal judgments throughout Revelations, and you can look and see how that's gonna pan out. If you have a church center app, there's a spot there. Where you can also download those notes, and you can look through the scripture of what is going to come during the tribulation. Now, I know that this morning, as I, as I start to finish up, there's all kinds of questions you have, right? I mean, I'm just scratching the surface of what there is to know about end times, about revelations and Ezekiel and Daniel and the things that are taught. So I really, really encourage you to uh, do a couple of things. Number one, next week, we're asking questions. The entire time we have together, you're gonna be able to ask questions throughout this week about the things that you're wondering about, the things that you don't understand, whether it's about heaven or the rapture or, or who's gonna be raptured, what's gonna happen at the great white throne of judgment, all of those things. We're get, we've already got a, a great set of questions, but there's a spot on your church center app where you can ask more questions. And uh, that's what we're going to be dealing with next week. Also, there's great resources out there when it comes to end times and, and teaching on revelations and, and just all of, the, all of the prophecies. Study that. I mean, we have a great curriculum here called Signs, but man, Dr. David Jeremiah and uh, Jimmy Evans, and there are some great, great scholars out there that teach on these subjects. And I really, really encourage you to dig in uh, to those because God is doing a great thing and he's doing it right before our eyes. Now that can sometimes instill fear in us, right? We can start thinking, oh no, you know, these things are coming. It's happening on the news. We see it happening right now. Well, understand this. If you know Jesus, you don't have to worry about the tribulation. 
That's why I don't do a lot of teaching on the tribulation. That's why I just give you worksheets so you can kind of look and see what's to come. But we don't have to worry about that, so we don't need to study it a whole lot. Uh, it's been studied, it's there if you need that information, but for us, we're gonna be raptured, we're gonna be taken up uh, in the time of, uh, of time of the rapture, which I believe is the next prophetic event that's gonna happen to us, and we're gonna be taken up to a wedding feast with our Savior, with the bridegroom, while the rest of the world is going to hell, literally, we're gonna be celebrating with our Heavenly Father. And know this, yes. Know this, that that is not gonna be a time, because I know a lot of times, too, we get the question, well, we're gonna go up, we're gonna have this wedding feast, and everything's gonna be crazy here on earth. Isn't that gonna make us sad? No, because we're gonna be in a place where there's no more death, where there's no more sorrow, where there isn't gonna be, there's no more weeping or crying, because we're gonna be with our Savior, and the things that are gonna be happening on earth have nothing to do with us. Yes, praise God, right? So as we close this morning, I just wanna say a prayer over all of our congregation, whether we're here live or we're watching from home. And I wanna bind some evil spirits that would come against us during these times. Number one, the spirit of fear. The devil wants to make you fearful. He doesn't want you to have an abundant life. And if he can make you fearful, he'll paralyze you from being able to make decisions that you need to make in the future. So we wanna bind that spirit. And what, the next thing we wanna do is we wanna loose God's spirit of peace in all of us peace and trust that he has us and that he will always take care of us. So let's do that. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We thank you that you showed us from the beginning what is to come. And we thank you, Lord, that we can unravel those truths in your scripture. But Lord, I pray in Jesus' name right now that you would come against the enemy in our lives, that you would come against the enemy in our loved one's lives, that you would bind a spirit of fear and cast it out of us forever. I pray in Jesus' name as you get rid of that fear in us that you would replace it with what your scripture calls the peace that passes all understanding. Holy Spirit, fill us. Help us to have that peace. Help us to trust you. Help us to cling to the truth. As the world is going crazy and the lies are being spread, I pray that you would just expose us to the truth. We love you, God. I pray also that you would expose those that we love to the truth, those that don't know you yet. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would embolden us to share our faith with them. Get the people that we love around us saved. Help them, Lord Jesus, to come to know you as their personal savior. We thank you, God. We thank you for this series and we thank you, Lord God, that you've given us the word that will shine a light on our future. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can do this right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen.
If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text us at heaven and 94,000 to get in contact with one of our staff where we can answer any questions that you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer requests by texting prayer support to 94,000 as well. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text Fellowship to 94,000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.